Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Owen the Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me is my co-host, Jack Serlis. It's an hour after Manchester United 2, Southampton 2 at Old Trafford. How are we feeling, Jack? Absolutely brilliant, Patrick. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. Uh, what performance? Um, we'll come on to it. We'll discuss uh, all the talking points from the game uh, at Old Trafford. A huge point for Saints. I tweeted out afterwards, I feel like that's as big a result as us beating Man City. Um, just from the, the form that United were in and the performance on the night tonight. Um, we'll come on to what to expect uh, later in the week from Owen the Saints. And of course, if you wouldn't mind following us on social media, we're at OWT Saints Pod. That would be fantastic. But without further ado, let's dive into the game. Um, to all, we'll start at the beginning. Fantastic start for Saints. Um, Ings picking the pocket of Paul Pogba and Redmond teeing up Armstrong at the back post to go 1-0 up. Um, we were all over them to start with, weren't we? Yeah, I mean, it was reminiscent of the the Everton game at Goodison Park. I think we started so, so well and just put them on the back foot straight away. I mean, it's difficult to sustain that level of intensity throughout the whole game, but that first 10 minutes, I was thinking just how, how up for it we looked and how intense we were in that final third. And I think, yeah, it came from Ingsden. He picked the pocket of Pogba, played a great ball to Redmond, who, I mean... I've mentioned it on previous pods, does get his fair share of criticism from Saints fans for maybe his decision-making and his you know, final ball. But I thought he did brilliantly to pick out Armstrong at the back post because it was one of those ones where he maybe could just put his foot through it, left foot, see what happens. But picked out Armstrong, he took it down brilliantly and slotted it. Yeah, brilliant start. It was a, yeah, lovely composed finish from Armstrong as well. Could have easily panicked at the back post, but took a touch and then um, passed mm. to Haya. Um, United were the, well, I guess they still are, but the form team in the Premier League since returning from lockdown. Um, they'd won four straight games by three goals. They smashed Sheffield United, Brighton, Bournemouth um, and Aston Villa. Not, not great teams, um, but still to win by three goals. The likes of Bruno, Pogba, Martial, Rashford, um, Greenwood have been in great form. So I, I think we all felt that this was going to be a massive test for Saints. And to get a two-all draw, we, we passed it with flying colours, um, as far as I'm concerned. That's five points now from Man City, Everton and United, which is, which is brilliant when you add that to what we got from Norwich and Watford. That's fantastic um, mm. from the team since they returned from lockdown. But we knew with the quality that United have, they were always going to come back into the game. Um, Bournemouth went 1-0 up against United at Old Trafford, I think, last week and got absolutely battered and ended up losing the game 5-2 and it could have been a lot more. Um, and we knew United would come back strongly and they did, um, scoring two goals in quick succession. Defending from, from a Saints point of view, um, not great, was it? Pretty poor. No, I mean, before we get on to those two goals, I think we have to give a shout out to Alex McCarthy because before before they did spin the game, J- James Ward-Prowse did a Gerrard-esque slip, didn't he? In he his did. own half, which let Marshall, Martial throw in. But I thought he stayed up stayed on his feet and it was a great, strong left-handed save that was crucial at that point in the game. I know he conceded two quickly after that, but it was a fantastic save and I think he definitely deserves a little shout-out for that. He does. I mean, we've discussed it on the pod a few times, but he is a fantastic shot-stopper. Sometimes his decision-making and his kind of command of the area lets him down a little bit um, and the mistakes that creep into his game, we saw that against Arsenal. But in terms of a pure shot-stopper, he's fantastic. Um, And there was a 
there were some stats that I saw on Twitter in the week. Um, if you go on football, uh, footballreference.com, um, we've got some great stats. And, and in there, um, in terms of the goals saved, um, so expected goals against uh, Southampton, but ones that have been saved by McCarthy. So what he's added to the team from being in, in goal, he's, he's number one in the league in terms of saving goals for Saints, um, which, is, which is a testament really to his um, ability to, to save shots. Um, on that list, Bernd Leno, the Arsenal keeper, is is number two. Dubravka, Newcastle keeper, number three. Kashmir Michael, four. Um, so it's fair to say that if you face more shots, you have more opportunities to uh, keep them out, which helps in this stat. Um, mm. But I think it's a pretty fair reflection of his ability to, to in those situations, make big, big saves. Because if you look further down the list, I mean, the two keepers are at the bottom of this of this stat are Kepa, the Chelsea keeper, who's having an absolute nightmare no at the moment. Yeah, and Jordan Pickford, who who similarly has been widely criticised for, for his performances this season. Um, so yeah, good good call there because McCarthy's save from from Martial was huge. Um, I thought Ward Prowse. I mean, it was an incredibly tough game for him today. Mid- midfield for United is Pogba, Bruno, Matic, and in that first half, I think he was a little bit. Um, like a lot of the players, uh, when United stepped on the gas a little bit, they kind of bypassed our press and blew mm. through the midfield and, and Will Prowse was struggling a little bit. But um, he wasn't at fault for either of the goals. Um, the first one, I tweeted that I felt Redmond, uh, Bertrand sorry, could have been a little bit stronger in the challenge with Wan-Bissaka and the ball mm. came in from Pogba. Um, and Stevens and Bednarak, they, they had Martial there and they didn't really deal with the danger and they allowed him just to shift the ball to Rashford who tucked it away. I think it was pretty soft from from my point of view. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting on, on Sky after the game, the reporter was asking Ralph about why that game changed so quickly from us being on top to them being 2-1 ahead and thought it was quite interesting what Ralph said. He was talking about sustaining that level of intensity when you're pressing from the front and you're doing it as a collective. It's so hard for the team. But obviously, we've played so many games recently. Unchanged team for the third game in a row. It's undoubtedly going to take its toll. And I think what let them back into the game is our pressing was maybe in threes and fours rather than fives and sixes, where the whole team was doing it. So I think that's kind of what let United back into the game. I agree with you. I think Birchin could have been a bit stronger in that first goal. But um, fair, I mean, they've got... A Brilliant, brilliant attacking quartet, which sometimes you've got to take your hat off to them because it was great hold-up play from Martial to lay it off to Rashford. And the second goal, Walker-Peters really got targeted in that one. I mean, it was it was brilliant from Martial. That is what he does best, and that's what they spent the £50 million on when he's direct and he runs at people and he can has that in his locker to put it top corner. I think you know it was a it was a big big test for Walker Peters. We've praised him massively in recent performances. Maybe didn't have his best game today, but what I really liked about his performance is that he stuck at it. He didn't let his head drop at all. There might be other fullbacks we've had in the past that would you know let that second goal get at them, and they might have a horrible horrible performance after that. But I think he stuck at his task and um, yeah, put in a put in a solid performance after a very tricky first half an hour. Yeah, I mean. He- when Martial's on form, he's one of the best players in the league at coming off that left flank. Um, and he's mm. been on great form recently. And and yeah, Walker-Peters didn't cover himself in glory with the way that he just kind of easily allowed him to to move through. And then it was a good finish from 
from Martial. We had a couple of let-offs before that, I think. Rashford, obviously offside, but he tucked that away. Mm. Um, so they were coming back into the game. I felt, to compare and contrast, I just criticised Bertrand a little bit for his role in the first goal. I think overall his performance was brilliant. Um, he's exactly what he brings to the team is a kind of consistency of performance. He gets up the pitch well, but he also is diligent mm. in his attacking duties. He was partially at fault for the goal at Goodison Park, um, but he saved us um, in a situation kind of where, where he let us down at Goodison Park and when he wasn't covering from the left-back position in the second mm. half, um, without jumping ahead too much, in the second half when Martial and Rashford combined, Martial went down the left, pulled it back for Rashford. It was Bertrand that was coming across from the left-back position yeah, um, that was huge. But got a touch on it, and that was absolutely massive in keeping it two one and allowing us ultimately um, to to get a point at the end. So, so he is really, really diligent usually um, at, at covering from the left back role, and he kept Greenwood, who's been um, on fire recently um, in front of goal. He kept him pretty much anonymous, um, whereas Walker Peters had his had his hands full on the opposite side with with Martial and Rashford combining really, really well. But I think. I mean, there has been a lot of praise for Walker Peters um, and a lot of people have been like, we need to sign him like immediately. Like, I think people have got a little bit carried away. Like he, he is good and he is a massive upgrade on what we've had at right back, but that doesn't mean he's the finished product. Um, and mm. we're going to get put, we're going to sign him this summer, put him in at right back and, um, and that position is going to be sorted. I think he's still improving and I think you make a great point come the end of the game he was a really good attacking outlet for us as we were pushing on um, for that mm. equaliser um, and he did stack at it did, did stick at it um, and if we'd had Valerie there I mean it's harsh to say what would have happened if he'd been in that position but I feel like he would have been equally um, kind of twisted in the first half and then we wouldn't mm. he would have kind of hid in the second half um, because he would have been traumatised by coming up against Martial and, and Walker Peters wasn't um, he stuck at it, as you said, and and um, and came on strong in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say on, on Walker Peters. I think what what's brilliant about him is that we obviously didn't have that much on the bench to bring on. We couldn't bring on a Buffal. We couldn't bring on a Gineppo. We were quite limited. We brought on Smallbone, who I thought was very, very, very good when he came on. But I think what Walker Peters does is that he allows you to have that threat on the right hand side that a winger would bring without obviously having that option. So Smallbone yeah. came on and he was playing very, very central. Maybe if that's a different fullback, we've literally got no threat on that right-hand side now because it's just, you know, not occupied by anyone. But having Walker-Peters there, it's almost like, okay, we don't have that tricky winger option, but we do have a very quick right-back that's good going forward. Yeah, he brings that width, doesn't he? And and towards the end, he fired in a couple of low crosses. He got in the box. Um, yeah, exactly. He got in the United's box, which is, which is what you want from a fullback when you're chasing a game. Um, you want that attacking option there and, and he, he brought that which was great um, a talking point I was watching the game um, I'm, I'm in America so it's different commentators to what you had but I saw on Twitter um, and speaking to you before this game that the Romeo tackle was um, quite heavily commented upon by Gary Neville on Sky um, it wasn't a good tackle um, and from a United point of view I could see why they would think that that should go to VAR as a potential red card from Romeo. Um, what were your thoughts on it? From a Southampton point of view, obviously it was that was a huge, huge turning point. If Romeo gets sent off there, I think the game's dead and buried. If I'm just thinking at it from a football perspective and I'm taking off my 
Southampton hat. That's a red card for me. I think the ball's gone. The, the defence that Romeo would potentially have is that he's just putting his foot down as like a standing leg, but his leg extends too much for me and it goes too high up and rebound. And I think you do have a little bit more awareness where you put your foot. And yeah, I think studs up, high down on the back of the calf. I, when we've obviously got VAR now, if that was maybe last season or the season before, we don't have VAR, you can get away with that because the referee might not see it. But now we've got the ability to look at it. I was so, so surprised that when I saw that video, when I saw the, the, um, the angle on it, I was expecting a red. Yeah, it's one. I'm going to keep my Southampton hat on, but it's one of those <laughs> where I, in if there was no VAR, and mm. when I was watching the game, I didn't think anything of it. It happened. I thought, oh, that looked like a pretty firm challenge. Um, could could have been a booking, um, but I would have been shocked if the referee had come over and sent him off. I would have been mm. like, like I, in in real time play. That didn't look like a red card to me. Now, now we've got VAR and you watch it back and they slow it down and it looks bad. And I fully expected when that happened that they would go and check it and there'd be a, and it'd be a red card and there'd be game over basically at that point because United were on top. We would have been down to 10 men. It would have been damage limitation. Um, I don't think, it, again, I'd re- referee in the game um, as it happened, I don't think it was a red card. If you want to go back and slow it down, I mean, there's lots of incidents in, in games um, throughout the Premier League where you could give red cards for, I think VAR's got itself in a bit of trouble for being too interventionist um, mm. since the lockdown started. And it was only the other day where they came out and it was just an absolute embarrassment when they had to say that there was three incorrect decisions on the same day. Um, mm. So maybe they've taken a little bit of a step back and, uh, and allowing the referee to referee. Um, now, I think Gary's point was he could have gone and looked at it on the monitor. Um, now, sure, yeah, that, that, that could have could have happened. I don't know why it didn't. Um, but for the kind of referee in the VAR box to just watch it back and tell the ref, nah, you've missed out. It's a red card. That would have stuck in my, in my throat a little bit. Um, but mm. you know, you, when you go to Old Trafford, you need a little bit of luck. We got that there. Man United fans. I mean, how many penalties have they had this season? I'm not going to hear any kind of criticism of that challenge and that red card when you've been given about 16 penalties this season um so yeah they can jog on basically (laughs) (laughs) i think i think just on a related point i think obviously we watch southampton week in week out and southampton under hassan do have this kind of bite that maybe previous teams under puel under pellegrino under hughes didn't really have and we would go to a big club and roll over and I think just, just looking on Twitter at some you know, United fans' take on the game, I think they're very surprised that we've got that side to the game. Carl Anker's always tweeting about it, that kind of dark arts, I think he calls it, that War Prowse is pictured as this you know, poster boy of like English football and he's just great at whipping balls in. But he does have that side to his game where he can just take a yellow card. Jack Stevens took a yellow card on Bruno Fernandes in the, in the second half where he cleared him out. And I think it's brilliant to see. Southampton yeah. have that. It's it's great to see because I think there's just been too many times where we've kind of gone to games and almost just been quite irrelevant. Just like, oh yeah, we played Southampton, beating three 0 We're now getting noticed. I think for having that, and you need that, don't you? You need that to get any results at big do. clubs. You need to have that kind of bite in the tackle. Um, and yeah, I love to see it. Yeah, I mean, if you're United's team, player for player, they've they've spent hundreds of millions of pounds putting that squad together. And player for player, they do have better they do have better 
professional footballers. Yeah. Now, how are Southampton going to compete going to Old Trafford? Well, you need to play really well and you need to play up to your ability as footballers, but you also need to put them off their game. You need mm. to make sure that they don't play their best football because if United play their best football, they've got World Cup winners in the team and they're going to they're going to beat you. So yeah. you need to get stuck in. Um, and it's and it's great to see because it's a side of our game that we've not always had, um, and it and it leads to points. Um, and it is from a mentality perspective, it's really really important. And I think it's part of the reason why we we do well against big teams. Um, I mentioned on the last podcast our brilliant record um, against top six teams. Um, again, beat beat Chelsea, beat Leicester away this season. We're now taking a point from Old Trafford. We should have taken three points from the Emirates. We're a good mm. team away from home because we unsettle the opposition when they're playing at home. And that's and that comes from from what you've just talked about. Will Prowse got booked for a blatant pull back on, I think it was Bruno. Fernandes, yeah. Um, just, just pulled him back when he was breaking away. And that's a tactical foul to stop a counter-attack. But it's just, people will criticise that. But if you don't do that, you will lose. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's, it's, it's from, from a Southampton perspective, it's fantastic. Like, loads of people criticise Pep Guardiola's Man City teams because they talk about tactical fouling. It's like, if you don't do tactical fouling, then okay, but other teams are going to do it and they're going to win because of it. Yeah. Um, at least some of the time, it's going to be a contributing factor to their, to their points. And, and I think partly today, one of the reasons why we, we got a point and we were great value for it was because we unsettled Man United's players um, Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba and Matic in midfield have been dominating games against pretty poor opposition. Um, and for about 45 minutes today, they, they dominated us from, from when they scored those two goals to half-time and then slightly after half-time, we saw United at their, at their best, really, when they were creating chance after chance and, and we were mm. on the ropes. But we hung in there and we, we got stuck in and I think that ultimately helped us in the last half an hour when we started to fight back. And then by the end, they were hanging on because we kept it close. Yeah, I mean, and that's what that's what impressed me the most about that performance because near the end of the game, I was thinking, I was kind of resigned to a... To, well, I was thinking that we were going to go away there with no points, but I was just really encouraged by the performance because they've got such, such quality players in that team that just didn't have a good game. And yeah. we've been watching them against those teams, the Villa and Bournemouth from Brighton, where they've literally had the run of the park and we didn't let them have that. Yep. And I think that's what I was really, really impressed by. Just the way that we imposed ourselves on that game. We didn't turn up and just roll over. We really gave them a good game. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get onto that equaliser in a bit, but what a moment. Yeah. Moment. I mean, <laughs> we've mentioned, I mean, they have played pretty crap teams I mean Sheffield United are, are doing well obviously um, they're having a great season but otherwise they've, they've been beating teams by three goals could have been yeah. more um, so it was a, it was a real test for us today I think that okay we, we've come back since lockdown we've beaten Watford we've beaten Norwich great we've made we've basically guaranteed safety pretty early on two wins in our first three games then we beat Man City um, and you're like wow it's like we've we've seemed like we've really we turned a corner before um, mm. after our kind of nightmare start to the season, but now we had a little bit of a dip. And then since, since lockdown, we seem to have turned another corner. And then we went to Everton, played them off the park for 45 minutes, should have won that game. And then today, it's another test. And I think we've passed it again um, because they've been blowing teams away. And we, we hung in there, we hung in there. Um, 
And yeah, and ultimately Obafemi pops up off the bench. I've, a word for Ralph, I thought his subs were great. Um, I thought he was bold. At the end, we, we from about 70 minutes onward, well, he brought on Shane Long. And then from about 70 minutes onward, um, we were growing and growing and growing. And then the last 10 minutes, it was, we were basically camped in their half, um, or camped, camped in their third, basically, camped in their final third. Um, and they mm. were absolutely hanging on. And for a United team that's been playing as well as it has been, to be hanging on in their own penalty box for the last 10 minutes. I mean, it was, it was, we got exactly what we deserved when Obafemi popped up at the back post to, um, to, yeah, to, to get a point. Yeah. And a little stat on Obafemi's goal scored in the 95th minute, 96th minute, actually, I beg your pardon. And that leveller was the latest Premier League goal Man United have conceded at Old Trafford since 2006. Fergie time. We've done them in Fergie time. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to mention actually was was to kind of go back to, I saw someone on Twitter say it, but I thought it, it really resonated with me that we, we didn't crumble when we went 2-1 down, um, mm. which in the past Saints teams would have 100% crumbled. United would have scored that third goal um, mm. and it would have been game over. But we didn't. Um, we've already mentioned the Bertrand kind of goal-saving intervention on on Rashford they did have other chances um but but by the end it was it was all of it was all us and and De Gea, De Gea made that save from Redmond that was a decent stop mm. um but yeah I, I, Obafemi after the game was saying that I think it was Dave Watson that that gave him the, the instructions for corners to to kind of keep himself busy at the back post um and and yeah I think it was Bednarak that the rose highest got the flick and it was Lindelof battling Obafemi. Um, and Obafemi's a player that, again, is quite polarising among Saints fans. I mean, after the Norwich game, um, he got a little bit of criticism as one of the players that maybe didn't have his best game despite us winning 3-0. Um, and then he lost his place in the team. I think after the Arsenal game, nobody played well against Arsenal. But then kind of Chadham's got his chance, didn't he, against City. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of thought, oh, Obafemi was, was partnering... Um, Ings while Long was kind of working his way back to fitness then Adams was getting his getting his look in and scored obviously but then for Obafemi to come on and, and grab the equaliser I'm really happy for him because I think he's a talented player he's still only 19 he does have lots of things to work on in his game but he's he's a useful player I mean we have four very very useful strikers at the moment Yeah and I think that shows the strength and depth we've got that we saw all four of them today tonight even I yep. mean Ralph was saying in his interview that he was being asked about Oberfemi and he was saying that he gives him, he puts a lot of pressure on him and he was, he was talking about Oberfemi, he had a smile on his face when he was talking about him but I think as we've said before in previous podcasts, he sees like a raw talent there that he can mould into something really, really a brilliant asset for Southampton and he was saying that he's quite harsh on Oberfemi, he says he needs to work harder and he needs to do X, Y and Z and I think for him to get his goal today will do his confidence a massive boost because like you said, didn't have a brilliant um, restart to the season, but delighted to see him get his goal. I think a word also on Smallburn, I know we just we just spoke mm-hmm. about him, but I think he is such a useful player to have. It seems that he can come on and replace Armstrong, but also when we've taken off Romeo and put Obafemi up front, he can slot into that midfield alongside Ward-Prowse. And I think he... You know, it's gone under the radar a little bit, but I think he's a fantastic, fantastic addition to this team. He's just really tidy on the ball. 
I mean, I was I was thinking when I saw him on that pitch, I don't know if you remember, he scored a screamer for Southampton's youth team away at Old Trafford in, I think it was 2017. Mm. And I don't know why that just came back to me when I saw him. <laughs> I saw him at Old Trafford and it was obviously with an empty stadium as well. And just when Oberfemi scored, it was just great to see two youth prospects just, you know, having such an impact in the game when we're playing into such a high quality yeah. team. I mean, it, Ralph was, was bold, taking off Romeo and putting on... Um, Obafemi and and that was great but it was I was tweeting before the game that our, our options at the bench it would have been really really useful in that game to have like a Bufal or a Gineppo, um mm. because it ended up playing out the way that I thought it might um, before the game in, in the sense of it being a close match and the game becoming stretched in the second half um, and yeah you look at our bench and it doesn't look particularly strong um, mm. We have options up front with Long and Abafemi, but missing Bufal and Gineppo doesn't really give us many options to replace Redmond and Armstrong, who who both get through a hell of a lot of work. Um, I think Bufal and Gineppo maybe would have come on for Redmond if they'd been available. Um, mm. But uh, just a word on Armstrong, actually, because the Optus stats have just just dropped um, on BBC, and I'm just looking at it now. He he's been involved in five goals in his last six Premier League games. It's two goals and three assists. Um, that's as many as he had been involved in his previous 40 appearances for Southampton. So he's he's been brilliant since um, since football restarted. Um, and he's really, really grown into that position from the start of the season where we didn't, he was kind of on the bench, wasn't he, when we signed him from Celtic mm. and he wasn't really involved at all. And I don't think Ralph really kind of inv- could see what, what um what role he could play in our midfield, but since he kind of t- he's taken over that right attacking midfield position, he's been fantastic. Um, and another goal again today, and he works so hard for the team. Our running stats, I'd love to see those because they must have been incredible. We we never stop running, and, and it starts with Redmond, Ings, Armstrong, and and uh, Che up front. Yeah, I mean I love Stuart Armstrong. Yeah, I think just be- just before he scored that goal, he had a great chance where he took the ball down on the edge of the box with his right foot perfect touch onto his left foot and hit it quite cleanly but just straight out straight out the keeper and I think that just shows his quality he has that little bit of I don't know how to how to describe it he's just got that little bit of quality in the final third where he can just create he's not quick mm. but he can just create a yard for himself very quickly and it was against Pogba Pogba watched him take it down and he just hit it straight away and I think you know he's a he's a brilliant brilliant asset for us and I think he suits that right midfield spot so well especially when you've got Carl Walker Peters bombing to the right of him because it allows him to come more central and impact the game yeah um yeah, yeah. And, and that that point again is is when smallbone came came on I mean that position the same applies didn't it because Walker Peters in those last 10 minutes was was getting up the pitch and um yeah. and by the end uh yeah united were down to 10 men um and a little bit of quality from more prowls on the set piece um, allowed us to to get a point. Um, I'll tell you what is quality as well. Harry Maguire's interview after the game <laughs> loved loved watching that. He was he was being asked about the performance, and he was saying Southampton are a team with no pressure in the league. They've come to Old Trafford with no fans. They've got no expectations. It's like, what are you trying to say? Is this yeah. an excuse? <laughs> this is, this oh. probably makes you look really bad. It was 100%. I didn't think he played particularly well, um, Maguire. I don't think he's been particularly good since um, football restarted. He got absolutely mugged off by Josh King, was it? 
for Bournemouth's first goal. I remember watching that last week. Nutmegged. Nutmegged. And, and it's just like, he's just slow, cumbersome. There was a couple of instances of that in the game. He bundled over Ings, which should have been a free kick um, down mm. by the byline. Um, he bundled over Armstrong. It wasn't a penalty. I'm not, don't, uh, it wasn't a penalty, but it was just no. clumsy. Um, and he just does seem clumsy. Um, so yeah, it's pretty funny to see him give that interview at the end. But from United's point of view, it must be so, so frustrating because they've just watched Chelsea and Leicester lose. Um, Leicester losing to Bournemouth, which was shocking, um, but good in a way because it means we can relegate them when we play them on Sunday, potentially. Um, keeps Is that all right? Can we? I think, I think potentially we can now because they're four points behind... Um, three, three points behind Watford. Three points behind Watford, okay. Um, mm. So depending on the results in the next match, uh, I'm not sure who they're playing, but then obviously we play them on Sunday. Um, if results go against them, it, it could potentially relegate them, I guess, on, on Sunday. I don't know the permutations, but I'm sure it's yeah. possible in some way. Mm. Um but from United's point of view, yeah, for Leicester to lose to Bournemouth and Chelsea to lose to Sheffield United um, in the race for the top four, that's huge. With Man City being, um, their ban being overturned, so now um, that's a Champions League place that potentially could have been available that's no longer available. Um, they had an opportunity to go third, I think, tonight, and they blew it, basically. Um, that must be hugely frustrating. So pretty funny to see Harry Maguire come out <laughs> and and make excuses after the game. He wasn't yeah, good. Yeah, if, if you watch if you watch over Femi's goal again, have a look who Harry Maguire is marking. He's marking his own player. He's <laughs> literally I don't know who it is, maybe it's McTominay, but he's he's man marking McTominay and it's embarrassing. I do not want to see him start for England, but I mean yeah, we've done we've done a big, big favour, not that it really matters, but a massive favour to Chelsea and Leicester and Wolves and that that Last minute winner, I've got a few Chelsea fans, mates, and uh, they were texting me saying that they celebrated that goal more than they've ever celebrated a Chelsea goal recently. <laughs> Last minute equaliser, yeah. We didn't quite win. I mean, we could have done, mm. but yeah. Um, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll absolutely take it. I mean, I think uh, you were listening to Ralph after the game and he, me- and he mentioned that like, possession is not everything. But if we do run through the stats, um, for those that haven't seen it, just illustrates... Um, the level of our performance uh, at Old Trafford, 52% possession. So we had more possession than them. We had more shots, nine shots to eight. We had more shots on target, five on target to their four. We had more corners than them. Um, We completed more passes than them. Um, Possession isn't everything. It's what you do with the possession, which I think is is what Ralph was saying. But at the same time, it is some performance to go to Old Trafford and, and to be dominant in all those categories when you're coming up against the likes of Pogba, Matic, Martial, Fernandes, Rashford. Mm. I mean, it's some performance. Yeah, I think that is where Southampton maybe have improved the most this season. Sometimes I've watched Southampton before and we've got the ball and we've looked like we're doing absolutely nothing with it. But now when we have the ball, we look incisive and we look dangerous. And I think that's where you know we've really come on leaps and bounds with this team. Having that possession, like you said, Ralph said it's not everything. He said it's is what you do with the ball that counts. But to be able to have Wal Prowse and Romeo pass it around, pass it around the back, it doesn't look like a we're doing it for nothing. It looks like there's always some purpose to our play, which is great to see. Yeah. And we talked about Maguire's quotes and I have to say, just reading Solskjaer's here now, um, he gave us a bit more credit than Harry did. He said Southampton are a good team. They run and they run and they chase. Um, and we never got in our rhythm today. And I think 
I think that sums it up, basically. Definitely. We didn't allow them to get into their rhythm. They played some good football. Um, they got two good goals. They did create a few few more chances, but it was um, a fantastic performance from our point of view. That moves us now on to 45 points. Um level with Everton in 11th I guess well our target now has to be a has to be a top 10 finish um, mm. we've taken 11 points since returning is that right my, is my maths off the top of my head is that correct I think that's correct yeah yeah 11 points since coming back from 6 games which is brilliant um, we've got 3 games to go um, we've just come through our kind of tough period uh, of fixtures with Man City Everton and United and now we've got Brighton up next on Thursday night Bournemouth away on Sunday and then we finish the season a week later uh, at home to, to Sheffield United I wouldn't be surprised um, I mean I think I've said this a few times now and, and it hasn't happened but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some rotation on Thursday night against Brighton I think there has to be I mean yeah. everyone talks about everyone talks about how fit the Southampton team is it is ridiculous the miles that they put in and you know it shows when players are Armstrong on their last legs and they need to be rotated but I'd be so so surprised if we don't see a bit of rotation on Thursday yeah Um, and I think from Brighton's point of view they're pretty much I think they're safe Um, but yeah the Bournemouth one is, is certainly something to look forward to they obviously got a huge result um, bizarre result beating um, beating Leicester who mm. who I think were probably th- thinking they'd capitulated and now they've been given a little boost by by our result at Old Trafford um, tonight so I think that's it have we got anything else we wanted to, to discuss from the match so we're on we're five points that's what I was going to say we are five points behind Burnley who are in 10th um, yeah. with three games to go. So it will be a tough ask to finish top 10 to make up five points on them. We've got some winnable fixtures. Um, they Burnley go to Wolves um, next on Wednesday. Then they've got Norwich away and Brighton at home. So they've got some very winnable fixtures as well. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to take results going our way to finish in the top 10. But um, who'd have thought we'd be finishing this strongly um, to the season with, with 45 points with three games to go? When we when we were sitting here back in November, it's some turnaround. It is, and I said it in the last podcast. I don't want this season to end. I'm loving. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you see Southampton on TV and you, you're dreading it because you're just going to be, you know, left devastated at the end of the 90 minutes. But I'm just excited to watch this team play, and it's getting me really excited for next season. If we had a f- bit more quality in that team, I think the future is very bright. Yeah, I mean, I. There's going to be a short turnaround, I think, between the seasons, which which could play into our favour because sometimes teams limp, like Palace are doing, to the finish line, and they're kind of desperate for the season to finish because they're already on the beach. But for us, we're going about as well as we've we've gone all season. And if there's a short turnaround, kind of keep things ticking over with a pre-season straight away, get straight back into it, and hopefully we can start start quickly. But I think you're right; there are some areas for us to strengthen for sure. Um, potentially a new centre-back. Um, Stevens and Benrack have been fantastic at times for us, not not least in the Man City game. But I think today um, was more of an example of sometimes where we struggle against against quick quality opposition. How good does it feel to nick a point in the 96th minute? Oh, so good. <laughs> Usually, I don't know, just... I don't know if it's just over the years what I've got used to, but I'm just used to having that sinking feeling of just conceding. But yep. just to be on the other end of it, 
and to yep. have that feeling of just wow, we've just nicked it. Quality. Yep. Ninety plus six, Albafemi. Uh, I look forward to watching the highlights back after <laughs> speaking to you. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was there may be a podcast from us on Friday morning after the Brighton game. Um, we did one last week uh, after the Everton draw. Um, don't hold us to it, but there might be one on Friday morning, depending on how the game goes on Thursday night. There definitely will be one on Monday morning after the Bournemouth game on Sunday. Um and coming up, it might be Monday, um, it might be the week after, but we also just wanted to tee up that we will be speaking to um, Fulham podcast, uh, Fulhamish, who are an award-winning uh, Fulham podcast, and we wanted to speak to them about Harrison Reed uh, because he has been on fire for them. They are gunning to return to the Premier League. I think they're fourth. Last time I checked, they were fourth. They're definitely in the playoff hunt. Um, mm. in the championship and Reed has won man of the match three times for them from their last five games um, so yeah he's been in great form and the reason why mm. I think we want to speak to them is because obviously Hoiberg is off at the end of the season and Romeo and War Prowse have done spectacularly well um, recently but with Hoiberg leaving that does uh, leave us short there and I think we'll probably dip into the transfer market um, once we've got the money from Hoiberg, but Reed is a potential option. Um, Fulham fans, I think, are really keen to sign him permanently, but if he's been playing as well as he has been, he could have a role to play at Saints next season. So we wanted to speak to the Fulham podcast and see how he's been getting on. Really looking forward to that, actually, because, I mean, I've, I've been following that on Twitter. He's getting man of the match after man of the match and just seeing the replies to Fulham's tweets, they are desperate to keep him. Every, yeah. every reply is sign him up, sign him up, sign him up. So... You know, interesting to see if he maybe has a future in our, our yeah. team. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm going to save the research that I've done for it for the podcast, but it's an interesting one. Um, when he broke in, uh, into the team under Pochettino to now, he's still he's still a relatively young midfielder, and and we know what qualities he's got. Um, not a million miles away from from what Hoiberg brings to the team in that central midfield role. So definitely something to consider. We will get the lowdown on how he's been getting on at Fulham. Um, like I said, that might be. Monday's one, it might be the following week, depending on availability. But Jack, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Feels good, doesn't it, I think, to get a point at Old Trafford? Up the last minute equaliser, Saints. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, I might speak to you on Thursday. Otherwise, uh, have a good one and we'll chat the weekend. Sounds good. Speak to you then. <laughs>